Hey everyone, welcome to episode 107, The Flight Attendant. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Hey everyone, have I totally piqued your curiosity with talking about flight attendants. And if you've been listening for a while, you probably know what we're going to talk about. One of my favorite topics is taming the tantrums, letting kids feel their feelings, teaching them how to express them, teaching them how to feel them and not push them down and not running from them, but running to them. It's super empowering for yourself and also for your kids because then you won't want them to be happy all the time, nor will you expect it. And you will actually build connection through their tantrums. It's wild, I know. But before we start talking about the flight attendant, I am going to read a beautiful review. And I have to give a little plug for reviews. The best gift you can give as a gift of thanks for our podcast is to post about it on social media and your stories, tag me, and then also write a review because that is how it gets pushed out to more families. And Thumb400 says, I just wanted to take a minute to say how grateful I am to Kelly. Only in the 50s as to listening to the podcast, but have done the free parenting and marriage boot camps in the past as well. And I've learned so much from Kelly. I'm totally blushing. I said that part. She inspires me to want to do better and inspires me to want to inspire others so the kids can have a better, brighter future. Thanks for the bottom of my heart. Thumb 400. I wish I knew what your name was so I could say thank you personally. If this is you, then send me a message and say, hey, that was me. I'm the thumb. Now, you know what I'm going to say about that review. It's not about Kelly. This is a movement that we are helping our kids to feel comfortable in their own skin, to feel all their feelings. Because like LR says, she says, when little people are overwhelmed by their big emotions, it's our job to share our calm, not join their chaos. For five years, I tried to stop the chaos. I said, stop it, get over it. You're not acting your age. You know better. All those things. And it was literally like gas on the fire. If they were chaotic, I was chaotic with them. I joined in the reindeer games. Why did I do that? Because I was so afraid of messing up this parenting gig. So I parented from that fear-based place and that's where I was messing it up. It was total crazy making and I couldn't understand why I was so calm at school and then such a crazy lady at home until I learned about the ego and fear and lack and not being good enough and wanted to be the perfect parent. I don't want to be the perfect teacher and counselor. For some reason, all of those attributes and all the things that we learn on the podcast was super easy in the schools and super hard at home. I love this other quote by Rebecca Eanes. This is one of my favorite quotes she has. And I might've read it before, but it doesn't hurt to repeat it over and over and over because every time I read it, I hear something different. And she says, so often children are punished for being human. Children are not allowed to have grumpy moods, bad days, disrespectful tones, or bad attitudes. Yet we adults have them all the time. How about all the hours, every hour of every hour? One of those things happen. We think if we don't nip it in the bud, it will escalate and we will lose control. Let go of that unfounded fear and give your children permission to be human. We all have days like that. None of us are perfect and we must stop holding our kids to a higher standard of perfection than we can attain ourselves. All of the punishments you could throw at them won't stamp out their humanity. 
for to err is human and we all do it by Rebecca Eanes. Isn't that the case? I love when she says, we think if we don't nip it in the bud, it will escalate and we will lose control. And I am telling you, that was my justification for all my snappiness was nipping it in the bud, especially when they were toddlers because I had the first grade teacher mindset in my brain and I was thinking, well, she's not sharing or he's not sharing or if he's hitting at two, what is she gonna be like in kindergarten? What is he gonna be like in first grade? What are they going to do with that teacher? They're going to drive that teacher crazy. And so my justification and my overreaction was always in the spirit of nip it in the bud. Hashtag nip it in the bud. That was my everything. When she was on the playground, I told this story so many times with Miss Kim. I know you're listening, Miss Kim, her preschool teacher who was fabulous, except the only problem was she was so fabulous, Lily didn't want to play with any of her other friends on the playground. I happened to teach at the school where she went to her preschool because they had like the YMCA was set up shop at the school. And so I thought it'd be super cool to like go to work where my kids were at school and I could peek on them and stop in for lunch, give a quick squeeze. They could come to my office. Oh, no, 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 no. That did not work out because whenever they saw my face, immediate tears, immediate let's go home, immediate pickup time. Like if I stopped by and I said, just to say hi, they thought it was time to pick them up because they didn't have any sense of time management, obviously. They're three years old. They see my face, they're like, boom, let's go, we're going home. And then I say, no, no, mommy's just coming by to say hello. And then it just disrupted their whole day. So I actually had to hide from my kids a counselor. I had to hide around corners if I saw their class walking down the hallway like to snack or to the playground. I literally had to hide out at my own job. It was wild. What I thought was gonna be the greatest thing ever actually ended up backfiring because I would peek at them and be have to like hide like incognito. And I remember spying on her while she was on the playground. I don't think Grady was even born yet. And I remember watching her and she's literally like two or three, you guys. Like, this is insane. This just shows what happens when you don't manage your mind. Your mind will literally send you into a tailspin unless you manage it. And I was not managing. I didn't even know about my management. I just thought whatever I thought was factual. And then one thought led to another thought, which led to another thought, which led, and I will said, I'm in tears watching her on the playground because when she's playing on the playground at two, three years old and all of her friends are playing gleefully and happily and well-adjustedly, which what was I was saying, like, why are all the other kids so happy? Why are all the other kids so well-adjusted and mine is such a mess? It was like, here I am a counselor and my kid has no sense of emotional literacy and I'm the counselor. Like, what is going on? It's like Dave Ramsey's kids go filing for bankruptcy. Like, I couldn't get it through my brain. Like, what is going on? This is not okay. And I remember her following around Miss Kim, she called her Skim, saying mommy, and then she was saying daddy, and then she was saying up, up. She just was very needy and graspy with Skim. And Skim, of course, was very patient. And it's okay, you can go play. You want some water? Distract, and here's some toys. Let me swing you on the swing. All those things. She was so attached to her, the caregiver, but she wasn't like branching out and spreading her wings. We had Leah coming up to her saying, come on, let's play, Lily. Come on, come on. She's like, no, 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 no. And she's crying and she's getting sand in her eye. Then she's crying that sand. Very touchy, very edgy is the best way to describe her. And this is like 10 o'clock in the morning. So like drop off is like at 7.30 or 8. So like you think like, okay, you know, it's hard when you drop them off and they cry, but as soon as you close the door, they're fine. No, no, no. That was not the case with Lily. Pretty much with Grady, not so much with Grady, but definitely less. He had his days, especially in pre-K before we started the uh, chill chair, which I need to talk about in another episode. Molly, thank you, Molly, for coming up with that idea. So I'm watching her do all this. And I just think to myself, OMG, she's never going to have any friends. She's never going to spread her wings and fly. She's never going to go to prom is what I thought. 
and she was two years old. I can't wait until, let's assume she does go to prom, but I can't wait till her prom pictures come out or homecoming or whatever it is. And literally to like laugh at my unconscious self when she was two or three. And I thought that thought, OMG, she's never going to go to prom. And here's the thing. When I was in high school, I was like always going to all the things. And so what if I was raising a child who wasn't going to all the things? Somehow I made that she was less of a child because I was like, oh my gosh, when prom comes, this is what my brain did. She's going to be reading books because that's what she loved to do. She's just going to be reading books. She's going to be a total introvert. She's never going to want to leave the house. She's going to become a hermit in her own house. She's never want like, it was bad, you all. I mean, I just kept going and going and going. And people are going to ask her to go to prom and she's going to say no. And she just had so much, in my mind, so much social anxiety. And so I made it even worse. And I'm sitting there watching through a classroom, crying my eyes out while I'm working, by the way, talking about to myself, no one else was in this empty classroom. She's never going to go to prom. She's never going to have any friends. She's going to be a hermit. And I got to nip this in the bud. Let's just overly socialize her as much as possible. That's right. Let's sign up for more play dates. Let's sign her up for more outings. Let's do more things with her so she can get more practice because I have to nip this in the bud. It was all in honor of nip this in the bud. And you know what? It was really an honor of put gas on the fire because an overscheduled child who doesn't want to be overscheduled acts out even more. And I will tell you, now she's going into the eighth grade, 13 years old. I can't keep up with her social life. She's always got things going on. I'm driving her here, driving her there. She's got a gabillion friends, gabillion outings, parties here, parties there, volleyball outings. It's so crazy making to go back to my unconscious mind at age two and three when I'm dropping her off at all the things or I see how her friends talk to her, talk about her and they're just so nice and loving and giving and caring and fun loving and giggly. And I'm like, what were you doing, Kelly? I was parenting from fear in honor of nipping it in the bud. But what I was really doing was parenting from a place of lack that I thought that I should be raising a clone of me just because I went to all the things, then she should go to all the things. So whether she goes to prom or doesn't go to prom or has a full dance card or sits in her room and reads, all of it is okay. I didn't even know about the as is, accepting the as is of the child that I have versus the child I thought I would have or a child like me. That is kind of creepy when I think about it. I wanted a child that was just like me when I was two or three. Well, P.S., I don't know what I was like when I was two or three. I just am guessing from pictures and stories that I was like a little bit on the wild side. But you know what? It's all made up. It was all made up in my head. And so I love that quote because it reminds us that our kids don't know what to do with these messy emotions and they're not supposed to. It's like giving Grady, who's in fourth grade, going into fifth grade, giving him a chemistry book and saying, go figure this out. He's like, bro, I can't figure it out. You're like, well, go read it more. You need to read it harder. If you read it harder, then you'll figure it out. And he's like looking at me like, no, that's not gonna happen. And that's what we essentially do to our kids when we say, hey, go be social. Hey, go share, go do all the things. And I love this by the at sign teacher goals. So I think it's an Instagram page called teacher goals. And they say, students are not adults. They need help with time management, study skills, prioritizing tasks, social skills, character development, et cetera. Instead of assuming immaturity or responsibility, assume they need help. Isn't that so powerful? I'm 46, almost 47, gulp. But think about all that I still have to learn on this planet. Subtract 40 years and they have so much to learn and they also think that they know everything. I know I did when I was five and seven and 10. So the reason why I call this the flight attendant is because I love when I found the conscious parent for me, it was an instant click because I just thought to myself, oh, Eureka, I could have had a V8. It was like a tomato hit me in the head and said, oh, you just have to treat your kids like you did your students. 
You can be calm, you can be loving, you can be assertive, you can be that, what Jen Silva talks about, calm, assertive, pack leader energy. Every single day she puts on her cape, calm, assertive, pack leader energy. And pack leader energy comes from Cesar Milan, it comes from Randy Rubenstein, who has a great podcast. And so Jen kind of put it all together and she says, every day I wake up and I pretend like I'm putting on my mama cape. And the CAPE stands for Calm, Assertive, Pack Leader Energy. Isn't that powerful? And so for me, it was a quick click because I had all that experience as a teacher and a counselor, but I wasn't using it with my own kids. For some reason, they were different. And so I talked a lot about detaching, detaching the ego so you can attach at the heart. Because when people think, oh my goodness, you're going to detach, that sounds so heartless. It's actually the most heart-centered thing that you can do is to detach the ego because the ego is rooted in fear, it's rooted in lack, and everybody has an ego and the ego never goes away. It's not like you want to squash it. You just kind of want to shed the ego slowly but surely where it gets a little, 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 little quieter over time, but it never goes away. That's what I really, really want to hone in on that we think we can just like use a machete and the ego is going to go away. It's always there and it's doing its job. It's protecting us. So we don't want to get rid of it completely because it's there to protect us. When we're in that back alley with the bear chasing us, you remember that? So I love the analogy of the flight attendant, because if you are ever on a flight and there's turbulence, the first thing you do is you look to the flight attendant to see if there's turbulence. If she or he is freaking out, then you are probably going to get on the phone and you're going to freak out too. Say goodbyes and say I love yous. But if you look over at him or her, then you will probably see them, you know, maybe they're sitting down, maybe they're on their phone, maybe they're getting food ready, whatever they're doing. If they seem like everything's NBD, no big deal, then you're going to be like, huh, that turbulence didn't feel very good. But my leaders right now, my calm, assertive pack leader energy, he or she seems pretty calm. So it kind of takes the fear off a little bit. It doesn't make it go away all the way, but it just kind of settles you a little bit. Like, okay, if they're good and it's NBD for them, then it's NBD for me. Or maybe it's still a big deal, but it's not that big of a deal. What I was doing before when I was unconscious that I was adding gas to the fire. So it's not about controlling their side of the street. It's about only controlling our side of the street because our kids are going to do some wackadoo things. Mine do it every single day. I'm like, what was that all about in my head? And then I'm like, oh, I just have to control my side of the street. And then they pick it up through osmosis. So I asked all of you to come up with some analogies like the flight attendant. The teacher is to the student. That was another good analogy. Claudia says, veterinarian is to animals. Maggie had a little bump on her back and then it burst a little bit and there was like blood on her back. And I was like, what is this? Oh my gosh. So we made an appointment for the vet and I bring her in. I'm like, we've never even seen blood on Maggie before. And she's almost three, four years old, like lose track, but she's a couple of years been with us and we've never seen blood on her. So to see blood, we were freaking out. So we bring her in the vet. The kids are coming. It's like a big ordeal. You know, David's texting me, how's the appointment? Everything okay? Everybody's all worried about Maggie. And then the vet's like, oh, I see these all the time. This is a cyst that burst. No big deal. Give her this powder. Take this oral antibiotic 10 days. And I was like, is this going to come back? Is this bad? And he's like, you wouldn't even believe what I saw. This is nothing. And I was like, oh, okay. But they gave me so much relief that this was nothing. All right. I like your calm sort of pack leader energy. Thank you. Lifeguard is to swimmers. Have you ever been at a water park before? And you see someone who's struggling? swimming and you look at the lifeguard and the lifeguard's cool. You're like, all right, the lifeguard's looking at that kid. So when Grady was four or five and he was a good swimmer, but for some reason he liked his ears underwater, but he also liked to breathe at the same time. So he would kind of look like a turtle and he'd have his face like a pancake facing up in the air and he liked his ears underneath water. So he would just spin while his face was pointing up, ears underwater and he's spinning. So the lifeguards would look to me and say, oh, is everything okay? Or other parents would come up to me or they would tell the lifeguard and the lifeguard would come to me. And I'm like, no, he's fine. He's just, that's the way he likes to swim. I know I'm watching him. Don't worry. 
But the first person you look to is the lifeguard and the lifeguard wasn't freaking out because I had already told them, the lifeguard, this is how he swims. He's probably going to do it for the next five minutes and then he's going to, you know, jump around, whatever. But just to FYI. And so they would look to the lifeguard to see if the lifeguard was freaking out because of the way that Grady was engaging with the water, so to speak. And then if the lifeguard wasn't freaking out, they'd come to me and say, is this okay? Are you watching your son? So we look to the lifeguard. If the lifeguard's freaking out, we're probably going to freak out too. So we are the lifeguard. So I'm trying to give you different analogies because for me, it was classroom to student. But if you haven't been a teacher before, you don't even know what I'm talking about. And speaking of Jen Silva, she talked about when she worked at Starbucks, she was in charge of a huge team and they were always putting out fires. If this happened at a store or this happened with the paperwork or this happened with IT or this happened with the cash registers at different stores. And so people would be coming to her in a panic like this happened and she would be the calm in the storm like we got this. We're going to figure this out. Okay, we're going to do XYZ. Then you're going to do ABC. And then she would divide and conquer and give everybody their tasks. And I'm making up what the tasks were and I'm making up what the emergencies were. But there were fires that she had to put out. And if she's freaking out when they come to her and say that this store, their electricity went out. If she's freaking out, then everyone's going to freak out and it's going to be total panic. So that's the same energy we need to bring. Everything is NBD, but it's still a big deal. You can have that NBD energy, no big deal energy, while still thinking in your head and acting from a place of this is the big deal. Because the brain likes all or nothing. The brain likes to say, oh, it's no big deal. Really? You just lay on the couch and just ignore it. Is that what you do, Kelly? Okay, that's really dumb. I'm going to hang up, shut off this podcast. No, 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 no. There is a balance between freaking out and laying on the couch and watching Netflix and ignoring it. There is that balance. And when you're detaching the ego, it's a lot easier to be that calm centered energy. And people say all the time, it's just so hard. It's so hard just in in the heat of the moment. And I always put that right back in your lap of, I know it's so hard in the heat of the moment. So imagine it 25,000 times harder for the kids when they have no skills. They have no sense of comparison. Like, is this normal? Is this okay? And they're looking at us like, is this okay? I don't fly a lot. So when I do, I want to know to the flight attendant, is this okay? I don't know. I have no point of comparison. And when they're chill, I'm like, all right, it's NBD. When I bring Maggie into the vet, never seen blood on her in three, four years of her life. I bring her into the vet. Is this okay? The vet's like, oh, NBD. And I'm like, oh, okay. So then they're diffusing my craziness. And think about if you've ever had a DJ at a wedding or a concert or you've been in an event and all of a sudden there's feedback on the microphone or the record scratches. Like, what do you do? You look straight to the sound box. You look straight to the DJ and you're like, DJ, don't do that again. What are you doing, DJ? Or if the music stops or it's too loud or it's too quiet, the first place you look is to the DJ and the DJ is like, ah, it's NBD. I got it all figured out. But if you look and they're acting like Ted Stryker, From the movie Airplane, which is one of David's favorite movies. Shout out to David, who's going to be loving that I quoted Dave Stryker. I did have to look him up. From the Roger Roger. Like if you're looking like Ted Stryker and the sweat is dripping down, then I think they're going to kind of freak out at the same time. If the DJ's doing that and they're acting like Ted Stryker, here's a hint. You don't want to act like Ted Stryker from Airplane when your kids are having a meltdown. I promise on a stack of Bibles, it only adds gas to the flames. And I only know this from experience. I promise on a stack of Bibles. I was watching the ID channel and I talked about this last week, I think. And the name of the show was, I think the mystery tapes or something like that. The whole show is someone narrating it and the people involved. But most of what you're watching is from the body cams of the police officers. And so these police officers were going into the scene and the EMT showing up on this total chaotic scene were totally calm trying to save these people's lives. And they had to be calm because there was so much chaos going on that if they came in like Ted Stryker, sweat dripping down their side of their face and freaking out because everybody else is freaking out, they're just going to add gas to the flames. 
What about a pastor at a church or a coach? You know, you mess up and you look straight to the coach. What does the coach think? So think about someone in your life that they were super calm when it was chaotic. And that person, whether it's someone that you know personally or someone that you can think about like a teacher you had or a principal at a school or like if you've ever seen EMTs or if you've ever been at a place where there's a DJ or if you've ever run a team before or if you've ever had a parent who was super calm during the storm or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle, think of that person and channel that energy because your kids, our kids, they pick up on all of it. And that's where we get super empowered and we can be the diffuser of the situation and not run for the tantrums like something's gone wrong, but run with them and into it and not join in the chaos but diffuse the chaos. That's the goal is to be the human diffuser in all situations. Nothing's gone wrong. We don't want to be Ted Stryker and sweat into the oldies when there's chaos. Because if we were on that plane and all the turbulence was happening and then we look at Ted Stryker and he's sweating to the oldies like he has, think about all the chaos that was going on in that movie. And the reason why it was so chaotic is because the flight attendants, the guests, the pilots were all freaking out with them and it turned into such a hilarious movie. But that is how I lived my life was like we were all aboard the airplane because what would happen would I would peel the banana wrong or I'd give the wrong sippy cup color or I would give five goldfish to Grady and six to Lily and then all the chaos would just hit the fan. And then I would get upset that they're getting upset And then David would get upset that I was upset. And then if I was upset at Lily, then Grady would be upset that everyone's upset. And it was total chaos all the time. Instead of realizing like, oh, Lily doesn't know how to manage this appointment when she gets more or less goldfish. Or, oh, he doesn't know what to do when the food isn't what he thought it was going to taste like. Oh, he doesn't know how to manage frustration or anger. And I'm 46 and sometimes I don't either. I don't do a very good job of it sometimes. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I have some strategies that I can pull from, but they have no strategies. So it's like giving them a book and saying, go read it, go figure it out, act your age until you do. That doesn't work for kids. I was always thinking they're giving me such a hard time. They just want to push my buttons. Instead of thinking they're giving me a hard time, just like I do with my students, I would see them and say, oh, they're having a hard time. And I'm telling you that shift in mindset and realizing that you're the flight attendant in your home and that we don't want to act like Ted Stryker. We can watch that movie and laugh our tushies off. Roger, Roger. But we don't have to have that in our home. And that, my friend, is how you have more harmony in the home, but not harmony all the time. I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really wanna fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, What was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening? I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.